Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Alberta Council on Public Affairs, on this beautiful day, uh, we should probably all be at home gardening, but I'm really happy that you found time to come here and uh, listen to this important topic and participate in the discussion. For those of you that are new to SACPA, I think there's a few. Uh, we're a nonprofit, uh, nonpartisan, just like the Senate should be, uh, <laughs> organization. And we rely on uh, $25 memberships, and Lisa, our trusty leader, is uh, willing to take your money anytime. And we also uh, get a little bit of money out of the lunch charge of $11. Uh, so if you would, wouldn't mind, put $11 in the uh, basket, uh, and we'll be around to, to collect the money later. Uh, one and a half dollars uh, out of every uh, out of that money goes comes to SACPA, and that allows us to operate uh, without. Uh, well, the university does help us out as well, so that allows us to operate financially. Uh, we are a 45-year-old organization, and uh, obviously, over the years, we've had some really tight money managers, so we do have also have a little bit of money in the bank in for a rainy day, and I'm thinking uh, it might come pretty soon because it uh, rained cats and dogs on the university last night, millions of dollars worth of damage there, so our contribution from the university might be uh, in jeopardy. Anyway, let's get on with things. Canadian Senate reform or abolition has been in the news occasionally for a rather long time. Recently, however, spending scandals in the upper house has dominated the headlines and rocked the uh, Harper government to the core. Our distinguished speaker and former senator was actively involved with Senate reform during his time in office, and he will address today's question, should the, scandal, should the recent scandals in the Canadian Senate be a catalyst for reform in the upper house. Uh, Dan Hayes is a well-known uh, senator from Alberta. He spent uh, many years in the Senate, and he actually uh, quit the Senate before his time was up. So I think uh, that speaks well to his uh, conviction that uh, the Senate needs to be reformed. Uh, would you please welcome in uh, welcoming uh, Dan Hayes to the stage? I'm the only guy in the room with a tie. I uh, probably should have had the political smarts to take mine off, but I think I might be on television, so I'll... That's the only reason I didn't take my tie off. Um, thank you, Knut. Very, very uh, nice uh, introduction, and uh, I won't comment on it other than uh, very kind. 
And uh, it's a delight to be here for at least the second time. And if I remember well, I've been here two or three times. And to be in the company of some old friends, uh, Blaine Thacker I saw earlier, and of course Ray Speaker, and uh, many of you I, I've met before. And uh, so thank you for inviting me. Um, should the scandals in the Senate uh, be a catalyst for reform of the Senate? Um, I couldn't say more emphatically, hell yes, uh, they, they should be, and they have been in the past. Um, this is not the first time that senators have misbehaved, uh, uh, and when they have, they are uh, uh, exposed, and, uh, and uh, this is uh, another example of that. It's uh, very disappointing. Um, outrageous uh, and, uh, and I think unnecessary. In any event, uh, it's happened and it will play out uh, as it always does over, in this case, it appears a long time. And during that period, the Senate will be in the news and I hope that one of the, uh, off, uh, one of, one of the benefits of that or offshoots of that will be that people will focus on the Senate uh, and, uh, and that something will happen. And I'll talk about what I think should happen in a moment. But before I do, to set the stage, um, I'll make a brief comment on the three political parties. I won't talk about the Green because they only have the one seat. But uh, uh, starting with the government of the day, um, I, I, I'm disappointed that the government has not pursued the Senate reform uh, initiative that uh, was uh, part of the founding ethos of the Reform Party, if I remember well, as well as the Canadian Alliance and uh, and, and and the Canadian uh, Conservative Party of Canada, is uh, is dominated by that side of uh, of uh, uh, the, the political spectrum, and um, so um, while the government has. Uh, given first reading to uh, a bill, in fact several bills, uh, to limit the terms of senators. Uh, it's now evolved into a single, and, and also to, uh, 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 to indicate, uh, I guess in a legislative way, that any province that follows the process that Alberta does in terms of a Senate selection process, that the government, uh, the prime minister of the day, uh, Stephen Harper, will appoint those uh, senators uh, as, as vacancies occur. Uh, and that's it. Uh, there's a great deal more to do, as I hope my comments will, will, will highlight, and you'll have questions about it, and I'll better watch the clock because I'm already wandering a bit. But anyway, so the government uh, had, uh, I think, a strong mandate from the people that elected it in its various manifestations to proceed with Senate reform. And I think that the measures taken and, 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 and the degree to which the agenda on Senate reform has been, has been pursued is, is disappointing. Um, the uh, official opposition uh, is now uh, the New Democratic Party. And for a long time, the New, New Democratic Party has had one position on the Senate, and that is its abolition. I'm imagining it as a government, uh, uh, and 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 uh, you know, then the responsibility would fall to them. Uh, and I'm disappointed in uh, a single solution to a complicated problem. Uh, you know, uh, my way or the highway approach. There's only one thing to do about the Senate, and that's abolish it. 
Well, I know for a fact there are a lot of people in Canada who would not want uh, that to happen without a full discussion, without uh, appropriate opportunities to consider other alternatives. I'll make my plug for the Senate here. Uh, the Senate is part of a bicameral system that I think has served us well over uh, 146 years. There have been good times and bad times. We're currently in a bad time, and we've been there before. Uh, and if nothing happens, we'll be there again. And at some point, we will have to do something about reforming the Senate, modernizing and reforming the Senate. So uh, that would be my concern about the official opposition position, that, which is just too narrow in, narrow in focus. Obviously, ab abolition of the Senate should be considered. It should be debated, but it should not be considered and debated in isolation of what it is we've been doing for 146 years, much of the time quite happily, and what it is that we'll be doing for the future of the country in terms of dealing with all of the problems that a federation has uh, without the benefit of a bicameral system, which the United States, Australia, Germany, uh, every federation that I know of uh, has opted for a bicameral structure for, for good reason. One of the differences between them and us is that we've never really updated the structure of our governance institutions, and we should. So abolition on the table, by all means, fight for it as hard as you can, but justify it. Don't just say, you've got to do that, have a referendum in the next election, and try to go to the premiers and get unanimous approval to get rid of the Senate. Not a good approach. Now, I'm, as all of you know, a liberal uh, and uh, I'm a loyal liberal, and I have a leader, and uh, I'm extremely disappointed in my own party in this respect. Um, I was encouraged uh, during the leadership debates when Marc Garneau uh, indicated uh, his view was that uh, we should take the steps to address Senate reform by having a national, uh, uh, a national in effect, debate on it by appointing the appropriate committee uh, to hear Canadians and to come up with some solutions. Uh, the ultimate leader of that leadership contest was, uh, was uh, Justin Trudeau, who I have a great deal of respect for and I'm and, uh, and, and still a liberal supporter, but uh, he's made some comments that have justified, I think, uh, the criticism, well, you, what are you going to do? You just favor the status quo. You know? Uh, he's changed his tune on that, and I'm glad to hear that, and I think that he's smart, and I think he'll have to adapt. But the status quo is not, is not on, in my opinion, uh, and shouldn't be on for Canadians, and I don't think it is. And so the Liberal Party needs, at the very least, a considered position on this important policy matter. And it hasn't talked much about it lately. There have been times in the past when it's come forward with... Uh, uh, the idea of addressing Senate reform, uh, but uh, it needs to do a lot more to, uh, I think, satisfy people in my region and my province that uh, they have some good ideas on how to proceed with this naughty, difficult problem. So I'm not particularly happy with any of them, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and, I, and I did have a, a quote from, from uh, because I wanted to confirm where Mr. Trudeau was at the moment, and uh, he, of course, is sending me a lot of emails, mostly for support, financial support, not many calls. Dan, what would you do about Senate reform? 
But you know, he had in the paragraph of the one I received yesterday, uh, he, uh, he said, uh, uh, and he was talking about the ethical issues, issues and so on that, there are, that are in the news today involving the Senate and the PMO, et cetera, et cetera. He says, some people think that change can come from the top down. But I know that real change can only come from Canadians like you. Well, bravo. Uh, uh, if he's as good as his word and listens to Canadians, I think we'll, 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 I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll have some promising things that uh, are in the future of, of uh, now the third party and hopefully a party that will return to uh, more successful positions in the House of Commons in the future. I don't want to get into the political stuff, although please feel free to ask questions. Uh, but anyway, that's the sort of landscape. Another group that's disappointed me is, uh, another group that's disappointed me are the, uh, are a lot of the people who, you know, base their existence on promoting a whole bunch of things, the West wants in type stuff. Uh, you know, Canada West, uh, uh, Fraser, um, uh, there are a whole bunch of organizations that have over time been very supportive of Senate reform, talked about it, had meetings about it, talked to people like you, stony silence. And I don't know why that is. The UFC Faculty of Political Science, I don't know, Lisa, how your, your uh, U L people do on this subject, but th this is an important topic that needs to be discussed, and, I th and, I, and I'd, I'd like to see a return by those organizations to talking about it and, and the ideas and how difficult it is and it's impossible or we can do this or we can do that. But to say nothing about it is, is, is disappointing. So I've been critical and, 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 I, and I guess uh, I was in the Senate for 23 years and it's exactly the same as it was the day I went into it. So I'll take all my share of the blame as well. Um, today's question I've commented on already, I think is, 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 is uh, to, for, in my view, yes, it is time. Uh, pastime. Um, uh, I would like to uh, just give you a brief overview of what it is that I think could have been happening long ago and should happen now, which is that the Senate should be modernized, and a few comments on uh, the more difficult uh, issue of addressing the really burning problems, and that is the distribution of Senate seats which were last redistributed in uh, 1915, a long time ago, uh, when the uh, Constitution Act of 1915 became law. And that was when we created, formally created the four divisions with 24 each. Uh, and uh, we haven't done anything since. Uh, and uh, the demographics of the country uh, in particular population, in particular the parts of the country that uh, uh, create the most gross domestic product, the parts of the country are, that are most relevant, I think, uh, or increasingly relevant, uh, where the, every part is important, but I think the West, and I'm speaking here as a Westerner, is, is extremely important. We are, on, we, are, we are the closest to the Asia-Pacific region. And we all know, those of us who follow this, that uh, that will be where most of the economic activity in the world over the next 20 or 30 years originates from. And, uh, and uh, so we're an important part. So BC and Alberta with 12 senators, six each, uh, Atlantic Canada, which is very important, uh, with a much smaller share of those important uh, statistics, 
has 30 senators. And uh, I don't mean to pick on them, but it's just not fair the way it is. Now, there are lots of things that we can do to ensure that the advantages that were uh, built into the negotiations in 1867 and, and that have been preserved ever since uh, have a rationale and can be respected, but uh, to do nothing uh, over 146 years is, is, is a bit much to expect of us. And so I think we are deserving of some, uh, some attention on, on this important issue. Uh, so, what to do? Um, when I was in the Senate, uh, I had good support, so on, and I made a, uh, a proposal, which unfortunately uh, didn't have a long life, that we should address uh, uh, Senate reform by starting with the easy things first. The easy things are the things that, in my opinion, Canada, that is the Parliament of Canada, the, the Senate and the House of Commons, can change in the Constitution without having to go uh, to the provinces uh, where you require uh, the approval of uh, seven out of the ten provinces representing 50% um, uh, of the population. Uh, and that's the way it is. And, that's, and it has been since 1982. And uh, it's difficult. Uh, and uh, uh, we have not changed our constitution very often, but that's just our challenge we've got, we, we can't let we can't say it's too difficult it's not a good enough answer uh, particularly when something is as long standing as the senate uh, been around and is of the long standing that the senate reform issue issue is so there are uh, just to list them very quickly i think uh, and there'll be arguments on this and we can get into that if you want but i think as originally proposed the uh, senate term uh, which originally was, was, I think, eight years, uh, is something that, that uh, the Parliament of Canada can do on its own. Uh, when you combine it with the Senate selection election process, which the government has now done, it becomes a little more difficult to say that it doesn't involve one of those things which the provinces have a say in, and that's the method of selection. Um, Anyway, that has been, and I'll comment on this uh, either now or in questions, uh, but th th that's something that the Supreme Court now has before it, as, does the, as did the Quebec Court of Appeal. Anyway, terms, I think they should be 12 years. Uh, eight years is, or, and it's currently nine, I think. Too short. Uh, two majority governments, and, uh, you know, it's kind of facetious, but a prime minister could appoint every senator if you only had an eight-year term. Almost every senator probably with a nine-year term. I, I just don't think that's uh, an appropriate term. And also, it doesn't give those who, are, uh, who, who become senators a full and fair opportunity to do the things that they accepted the appointment to do. So uh, 12 years would be, be my choice. The Senate itself in uh, 2007, when it turned down this bill, uh, said they would pass it, uh, but they would like to see it 15 years. I don't have an argument with that. But they didn't pass it or didn't give it. Uh, second read, a third reading, because they said it should be referred to the, the court first. I don't think they should have done that. I, if, they, if they thought it was unconstitutional, they should have just defeated it. But they didn't. They, they, they deferred it. And, of course, the government of the day, Harper government of the day, did not have a majority, nothing they could do. But they have a majority now. And there are things they could do now. Uh, and uh, next item, I think we could have a Senate Appointments Commission uh, that would vet appointments. It could also play an important role in ensuring diversity and a whole bunch of things. And I'm thinking of 
the United Kingdom, which has a Lord's Appointment Commission, non-statutory, but a Lord's Appointment Commission, which vets uh, appointments, not a bad idea, uh, and uh, participates in the appointment of a certain number of what they call cross-benchers or independents. Um, the um, uh, other things, uh, uh, and I, you know, we should clean up things that have, and I'll give an example perhaps before lunch, of some of the language that, that, that was good in 1867 but isn't anymore, and we should clarify uh, uh, the issues that it tries to deal with or, or hopefully does deal with by modernizing the language. Uh, one of which is the property qualification. Uh, why does a senator have to own $4,000 worth of property free and clear in his province? Uh, it was put in there because, uh, to analogize to the House of Lords, they wanted property interests represented in Parliament to offset the, the rabble that would be elected in the House of Commons. Uh, it's no longer relevant. We should get rid of it. And it makes things confusing. We need a deadlock-breaking procedure or mechanism, and we could begin the process of resolving deadlock between the two houses without having to formalize it in the Constitution in relation to the powers of the Senate by, in my, there, there are a whole bunch of solutions, but mine, I think, is the best, obviously. Uh, and uh, you guys will have your own that you think is the best. But anyway, the one I would like to see used is the conferencing procedure, which is currently provided for in the rules of both the House of Commons and the Senate. It's used to resolve in every issue in the U.S. as between their Senate and House of Representatives. And uh, I would give a conference procedure which would occur when there was deadlock, i.e. one of the houses refused to accept an amendment or pass a bill uh, from the other place, I would, I would uh, make, give it a House of Commons bias so that at the end of a period of time, the House of Commons would win. Uh, but not before the second chamber, the Senate had an opportunity to make its arguments and points and give full, full, full play to whatever it did in its committee work and so on. Uh, bankruptcy insolvency. I think bankruptcy should disqualify a senator. Insolvency is a little iffier. Um, anyone who, senator who's committed a crime, uh, I think we should be much more clear on what happens. The current constitution says if they have committed a felony or an infamous crime, then the Senate can kick them out uh, and presumably would. Um, those translate, for my money, into an indictable offense. Uh, and if convicted of an indictable offense, the, sen the senator's gone. There's a, we should have better provisions that relate to that period between the conviction and the appeal, which can take a long time. I don't think they should sit. I don't know that they should have any benefits. I'm not sure, but we need to work on that. Uh, it currently, uh, our Constitution currently provides that there's no time frame within which a vacant seat must be filled. House of Commons, Prime Minister must call or a by-election within 180 days of, the, of, 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 of a seat coming open for whatever reason. In the Senate, we've had, and, and liberals and conservatives alike, left Senate seats open for years and years. Uh, senators are supposed to do a job, and if nobody's representing that province, that job is not being done badly or well. So I think Senate vacancies should also be filled within 180 days of the Senate uh, vacancy occurring. And the Senate should elect its speaker. 
So those are, those are some things. Now, one of them, and I'll, I'll skip the discussion of the hard part because uh, we can maybe talk about that when, when we, uh, after we've had lunch. The hard part is, uh, well, maybe I will talk about it now. What the hell? Uh, the hard part is, is, is changing uh, the seat distribution, the method of selection, election, uh, hybrid election, selection, election appointment. Would you have a continuing role for a, a Senate Appointments Commission? Uh, and powers. Uh, those all require the province's approval. And I think I'll use again the example of the United Kingdom. They did it right. Uh, they haven't got to where they want to be, but they've made lightning progress compared to us. Uh, the, uh, uh, the beginning of their process, 99, the Blair government appointed a royal commission. Uh, the royal commission held hearings, made a report. They had joint committees of the House and the Senate. Uh, they had uh, all party committees. They talked it and talked it through, discussed the alternatives and uh, have, 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 have succeeded to eliminate, after a thousand years or so, the, the role of the hereditary peers. There is a representative group of 92, but a part of who, uh, whose life is limited, but it no, uh, no longer includes hereditary peers, subject to the comment I've made. Uh, they have... Uh, created the position of a Lord Speaker. They've divided the, uh, the uh, High Court role into a, a court, the Supreme Court of the UK. Uh, they have a Lord Speaker, and uh, they have an equivalent of our Minister of Justice, which up until uh, those changes were all reposed in one person, the Lord Chancellor. And so they've made a lot of progress. Uh, and, 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 and one of the things that preceded the progress they've made was the, the important step of dealing with deadlock. The House of Lords, uh, prior to 1911, had the same power as the House of Commons. They could defeat any bill. Uh, however, in 1911, a crisis occurred, and, and, and the House of Lords had always been dominated by Conservatives to that point. There was a Liberal government in 1911. They said, okay... Uh, we've, got to, we've got to stop this nonsense. You know, we, you can't hold us up. You're, you're at that time wholly hereditary. And uh, so that gave rise to the Parliament Act, which was, which was updated in 1948. The Parliament Act says, and I'll be brief, if the uh, House of Commons passes a bill that the House of Lords refused to pass after... Uh, going through the process in the House of Commons again, including one that would abolish the Lords, then uh, the House of Commons bill will become law without the approval of the Lords. So that's one deadlock-breaking mechanism. And while I'm at it, Australia's deadlock-breaking mechanism is uh, a, what they call a double dissolution. If the Senate refuses to pass a legislation in the House of Representatives, uh, then the Prime Minister is, in, is, 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 is able to call a, an election of all of the members of the House and all of the members of the Senate at the same time. Another option. Um, Japan, interesting one. Uh, uh, a veto by the upper house can be overridden by a two-thirds majority in the lower house. Uh, in, in the case of Canada, uh, I've made my suggestion. I won't repeat it. 
There are dozens of others, I'm sure, but we need, we need to start with that. So I'm going to end there, Newt. It's about 12.30, and uh, I don't know whether I've provoked any questions or not or whether I've been rude, but what the hell. Uh, you say what you think, and I'm not a sitting senator anymore, so Ray, uh, uh, he, he'll, he'll, he'll take me on, I'm sure, if I've, if I've uh, misbehaved. Anyway, thank you for your attention. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, congratulations on... Uh, what is, I think, a, a, a really important uh, th asset to, to your city, and that is a group of people of a certain intellectual capacity who get together uh, frequently to discuss public policy, uh, and I'm delighted to be here with you today.